0: With magic. Bruno, as soon as he stepped into the ring, the crowd was on their feet. From Pittsburgh, the heavyweight champion of the world, Bruno San Martino! You know, the Northeast is full of Italian, and he had a following. He was the face of WWE, he captured the imagination of a huge Italian
1: population. I don't give a damn if you were an Irishman, a Swede, Polish, black, white,
0: green. You like Bruno San Martino. As you hear the crowd respond, they love that man, Bruno San Martino. I was visiting some family members in New York City, and I saw Bruno, and I was mesmerized on how powerful, how quick he was, and he was just something that everyone would want to be like if you're an alpha male. That was my first encounter with Bruno. The fans just related to him because he was a blue collar kind of guy who
1: worked hard and his story resonated with the people. Although he was bigger and stronger, he was kind of like everybody else.
0: People believed me to be a really strong, powerful guy, and so they believed in me.
1: Hello again and welcome to the Retro Wrestling Podcast. I'm Intern Alex, joined as always by the one and only the greatest referee in professional wrestling history, Patrick Young. And Patrick, this is Retro Wrestling Extra, as we highlight the special called Bruno, which celebrates life and career. Bruno San Martino, who passed away April 18th at the age of 82. And the following Monday, they had produced a special on it. It's amazing how quick this video team had worked to create this. But I guess this was in the works and was rushed when uh, he passed away. So. Yeah,
2: it was a it was a DVD coming out. It was going to be kind of like uh, the ultimate Ric Flair DVD they they put out with like four DVDs and you know tons of matches and all that stuff with a story as well and so um unfortunately towards the end of making it doing the final edits and all that he passed away and so they decided to just to put the story part on the network it's an outstanding watch
1: oh it's very good yeah i mean that's the one thing the wwe production team can always be credited with all the documentaries even if they're light on content uh the production value is always outstanding yeah. and uh the the B roll they choose, the interviews they choose. A lot of other wrestlers who passed away are featured as in interview roles, like uh, Roddy Piper, Ivan Koloff, uh, just to name a couple. Uh, Paul Heyman's featured a lot in this. Uh, the main storyteller, of course, though, is Bruno himself, and uh, it's centered around his 2013 Hall of Fame induction, which took place at Madison Square Garden, fittingly enough, the the place that where Bruno became. A superstar. We start the special with him arriving in his SUV and meeting with, of course, Triple H because this also has to be about Triple H. And actually, it was just Triple H being a huge mark, is what it was because he was marking out for his hero here, uh, well, Bruno, getting out of the car.
2: Without Triple H, Bruno wouldn't have come back. That's just. Yeah, because
1: Vince didn't want to even bother with even making the phone call. Yeah. Bruno sold out the garden 187 times. But they made a t shirt for him tonight where he sold it out for a 188th time. Yeah, if you count Hall, the Hall of Fame. Because everyone showed up just for this. He headlined, and
2: Hall of Fame was sold out. So I agree. In my opinion, he sold out 188 times. He spent
1: 4,040 days as a champion, and they mention it's a longer reign than some of, like, Hogan and Cena combined and Triple H, of course. As, as we highlight other champions, it's Hogan, Triple H. Cena, there you go. All their rains combined does not equal the reign uh, that Bruno uh, was able to achieve. Cena is seen backstage welcoming Bruno to the garden. Then Paul Heyman uh, showers Bruno in praise. As Paul Heyman uh, from the New York area grew up, got into the business by hanging out the garden, taking pictures. So some right. of the pictures provided for this thing were. Ones of little, that little Paul Heyman took as a kid, right, hanging yeah. out at the garden. Triple H informs Bruno that, hey man, you got a new t-shirt for tonight's event. Bruno seems rather unimpressed by the t-shirt, but that's fine. Now we get into the backstory of Bruno, and growing up during World War II and the Nazis' occupation of Italy. And the town Bruno in was captured by the Nazis, so they fled to the mountains bruno's dad was working in the states so it's just bruno's mom and his family and so his mom would have to spend two days coming down from the mountain to go get food and supplies and he says sometimes they had to live on just snow in the winter that sounds wonderful doesn't it
2: she would actually go back to their home sneak into the cellar to get food for
1: them to survive
2: on close it all back up spend
1: two days and maybe come back with a potato
2: yeah, that, and that was the truth.
1: And on her, one of her adventures got shot in the shoulder trying to get up that mountain, but still made it up that and mountain. captured at one point in time. She, yeah.
2: She ended up having, uh, she was able to fight away, fight and get away, but was captured at one point in time as well. So, I mean, a nothing tough, was going to stop this a woman from woman. Uh, bringing the
1: food to the family.
2: And he was, you know, at this point in time,
1: he was very sick as well as a young boy. Bruno tells a story about how two Nazi soldiers found their hideout in the mountains, lined up the family to be executed, and Bruno retells the story and starts tearing up. Uh, The mom comforts the kids, says, uh, you know, everything's going to be beautiful. We're going to be in a palace uh, with the Lord, and it's all going to be great, and so don't worry about it. Uh, But before they get executed, Allied soldiers sneak up and knife the Nazis to death in the nick of time. It's really crazy. It's... His whole life has sort of been just a combination of miracle after miracle that that led him to where he got to in the business and just how everything lined up. I mean, uh, him telling the story, I'll I'll include the clip. It's uh, very compelling. And it's something I didn't know about Bruno and that thanks to the, this documentary uh, got out there. There's also one that his local station in Pittsburgh did a documentary on him a few years ago. that's on YouTube that's supposedly as good if not better than this one so you might wanna check that out.
0: But as the war continued, Emilia San Martino and her children were once again faced with certain death when two German soldiers found their hideout. There were two of them, and when they finally made their way up to the mountain, and they lined us all up, and a guy was actually setting up the gun to kill us, and I wouldn't look, I had my head tucked on my mom's rib-like, and she had the arm here, and she had uh, my brother and my sister there, and she uh, tried to comfort us. I, I have a hard time with this. <sighs> so we started to talk about it. My mom had us on the side, and to show you the courage she had, she knew what was coming, and uh, she kept talking to us. She said, don't be afraid. She said, soon, we're going to be in heaven with God. And says, and we'll be in a beautiful mansion. There'll be no more hunger, uh, uh, no more cold, and we'll be happy ever after, and no more suffering. But everything's going to be beautiful. A lot of our guys that were with the Allies, they would always come back, one or two of them, to check on their families. On that particular day, a couple of two brothers. So what was going on? They they were able to overcome these two. They knifed them to death.
1: Uh, Bruno was really sick, but then the family immigrated to America. They moved to Pittsburgh. So Bruno's dad worked in the steel industry, and they moved to Pittsburgh. And they were some of the only Italians in the neighborhood. And a neighbor who was involved with a Jewish gym uh, noticed how you know scrawny Bruno was, and said, "You know you've got to you got to stand up for yourself because Bruno's being bullied." Uh, He was uh, small, so this guy takes him to the gym, and immediately uh, Bruno falls in love with the gym, starts weightlifting, uh, starts wrestling, and before you know it, we skip ahead and he's setting weightlifting records. He's becoming the world's strongest man before Mark Henry could take the title, and so really into bodybuilding before, I think, the bodybuilding craze took off, even before Arnold Schwarzenegger, who you next see... Uh, backstage at the Hall of Fame, telling Bruno how much he admired him and talks about seeing Bruno as being a judge for Mr. Olympia and yeah, telling when... the other competitors, uh, what, what's this all about? The judge is bigger than we are. Yeah. So Rudy Miller, who ran Capital Wrestling, spots Bruno and says, oh my goodness, we got to get you to Washington, D.C. And Bruno says, well, why? why would I be interested in pro wrestling? And of course, Rudy says, you can make... 35 grand a year and bruno uh, who's working as a journeyman a pipe fitter said whoa sign me up 35 grand a year he's making two dollars an hour uh doing what he was doing so the owner of capital wrestling however was vincent j mcmahon they refer to him as vince senior but by the way it's not senior and junior they have different middle names to be a senior and junior you have to have the same middle name it all has to be the same. Yeah, but Vince... I can have Alex L. Williams as my son, right? But he's not... hes That's technically... That disqualifies him from being a junior. Well... To make the two different, to say Vince Sr. is easier than saying Vincent J. McMahon or whatever. Or Vincent K. Right. But that's... That's, that's a small bone I have to pick with the documentary. It's just... It's Vincent J. and Vincent K. That's all. So Vincent J. ran that territory, and he also controlled New York, of course. And we get an interview with Vincent J. from back in the day about how San Martino watched every match out in the crowd and was dedicated to pro wrestling. He didn't just hang out in the locker rooms.
2: When
0: he was on the card, he might be in the opening match when he began. All the wrestlers usually uh, stay in the dressing room until it's time to go on, but not San Martino. Samatino was out watching every match and trying to learn different things from different wrestlers. He was completely uh, dedicated to wrestling.
2: It was so cool to see rare footage
1: of Vince (laughs) Sr. Vincent J. We don't get a lot of Vincent J. clips, really. Uh,
2: Right, yeah, and I actually really enjoyed seeing that. I would love to see more. Of, of him because he's so... You you hear stories about him but you don't see a lot of footage. You see pictures of him but you don't see a lot of footage. You don't see a lot of you know, him speaking for himself. bites, yeah. yeah. And I would love
1: to see more of that. And well, was, when they finally do the Vince Sr. documentary hopefully we'll get some of that. I'm surprised they've never done one.
2: When they do Vince Jr. I'm sure we'll
1: definitely... Yeah, that would be interesting if they had clips of him talking about Vincent Kennedy McMahon. Like cuz he was alive a couple of years after the sale of the company, I wonder if he did any interviews during that time and just talked about the direction wrestling was headed. I would love to. Yeah. What You he, bring up a very good point. What yeah, he thought
2: yeah. of, you know, Vince
1: Sports Entertainment. Right. And how this global domination and I wonder if he scoffed at the idea. I mean, when he sold the company, I'm sure he probably scoffed at the idea that Vincent Kennedy was going to take over the world with this product he was probably just like the sure whatever you say kid yeah. you know
2: you're I not just, gonna yeah you're not gonna be able to pull this off
1: yeah so very interesting yeah not enough Vincent J yeah uh, clips Bruno was told hey up in Toronto the wrestling scene needs somebody like you so Bruno went up north and got to wrestle the likes of Luthez and Gene Kaniski and sold out a lot of Canadian arenas as he became now an international superstar because technically that's a different country. Vincent J. while Bruno was in Canada, decided to break away from the NWA and he took Buddy Rogers. He was going to be their guy and be the champion of the worldwide wrestling federation. I was so
2: happy to see this because Buddy Rogers is put in a really good light a lot of times. It was good to see someone actually call him out on the bullshit that he did. If he knew he was going to lose, he had that reputation of it not showing. was Kevin showing, Nash, yeah. Of not showing. And so... Well,
1: I mean... In a way, that's smart, though. Yeah. It gets... <laughs> because you want to keep the lineage of the title going, so you're not just going to strip the guy or whatever. Cause, right. You know, especially old school bookers, you know, they're committed to this title lineage and, you know, you have to drop it legit, you know, in the ring. So, they're not going to strip you. I mean, they can find you and they can get upset, but, like, you'll still get your way a lot of times. Yeah. So, set the groundwork for, you know, Hulk Hogan and Kevin Nash and WCW for all those wrestlers to just say, Not doing it. Not showing up tonight. <laughs> so, thanks, Buddy Rogers, for politicking, introducing politics into the world of uh, pro wrestling. The fact
2: that he would, the fact that he was like, No, I'm not going to, I'm not going to drop the title, you know. They, going into that, knowing that, they, okay, yeah, you know, you're going to beat me clean. This is... Screw job here. You know. And it, it wasn't until they got in the ring that Bruno look at him. He's like, no. listen, dude, that's you got screwed. Like, you just got... We
1: just got you. I mean, because, yeah. I mean, you're in the middle of the ring. Like, what are you going to... You
2: you're mean? not going to take a count out and look like a shit and walk to the back, you know. And, and within a matter of seconds, he had him up and... Bear hug. Yeah. Of all things, too. And yeah. he would have broke his back. No why Bruno had the strength to be able to do so, but he had to submit, and that, that was that was the start of, of yeah, of the tremendous history that is and was Bruno San Martino.
1: So Vincent J was uh thought Buddy Rogers was a shit for being always been a prick, so he said to Bruno, Hey, come back to the States, we want you to be the guy. Then we get clips from Name redacted, oh my gosh, Hulk Hogan has shown up in a WWE documentary. And the rumors were this week as we were recording that well on his way to being back. And I think this would uh, go a long way in supporting that theory that he was on the most recent documentary they produced. So Hogan and Vince Kennedy McMahon talk about how special the garden is.
0: Madison Square Garden is sacred ground. If you make it to Madison Square Garden and that's all you ever do is wrestle a preliminary match at Madison Square Garden... Your career has been made. There's a certain magic to Madison Square Garden, and my dad in his New York accent always said, "Vinny, the garden will always be the garden, meaning nothing else will take its place.
1: Then Bruno talks about how Rogers didn't want a job to him. So they made Buddy Rogers believe he was going over. Yeah, you're going to win with the figure four, Buddy. Go in there, just like every other match. Then in the ring, Bruno told Buddy, hey, forget that finish.
0: On May 17th, 1963, nearly 20,000 fans packed Madison Square Garden to witness history. When the referee gave us the instruction, I told Buddy to forget about the, the deal and all that. I said, do your best, because I'm going to do my best. He looked at me like, what are you? What's, what's going on? That's Bruno. You want me to prove myself? You got it. He want what? I'll show him. When the bell rang, I came across like a bear. I hit him, I hugged him, and I put him up here, and I said, Buddy, give it up or I'll break your back. I never heard Buddy say a word, but the referee signaled me to let him go, let him go. And I thought the roof in the garden was going to pop out. And the people went absolutely wild.
1: Bruno put him in a bear hug, and they get the belt off of Buddy Rogers. So congrats, guys. And then we smash cut to... 2013 and Triple H showing him the belt that he won from Buddy Rogers.
2: How ironic is it? This belt went missing at one point in time. No one knew what happened to it. It was stolen from Vince Jr. and was found in an attic. After, I mean, years upon years later, we're talking just two or three years ago. It was found in an attic after a uh, some kids were cleaning their grandparents' house out after they had both passed away. This title was found in a in a trunk in the attic. One of them was a wrestling fan, that recognized the belt and called Vince up and uh, and said uh we'll call WWE headquarters and said, "Hey, you know, I think I have something of yours." And they actually went and delivered it back to him. And so, here's this belt that had been missing for almost 30 something years, and it's found the exact time and year that Bruno's going in the Hall of Fame because that was that was practically the the day that he was showing it to him was the day or the day bef- the day after that it was you know given back to the company
1: my only problem with this segment is okay so triple h just showed him the belt and you know bruno you know you can almost see it in his eyes you know he's reliving this moment or whatever yeah but then triple h takes the belt back i thought he was going to gift it to bruno and just say here this is yours you know no. Yeah, I, uh, I I was kind of like, eh, that's this is a nice moment, but it would have been, I think, a little bit better had they just been like, here you go. I mean, yeah, we don't need it. It's, I mean, have you seen our belts lately? They're hideous, so we, we'll never go to something that looks good, you know, like this. Here you go. Ivan was in this. Ivan Koloff has the belt that he
2: won when he won. He actually, it's it was in his possession up until he. He recently passed away last year. And so, yeah, I agree with you. I felt like it should have been given to him.
1: Yeah, or something. Maybe even a replica, you know, like a frame. Been like, well, here, here's one to take with you. or yeah. I don't know. I, yeah. I thought it could have been a better moment. But anyway, uh, we go back to Paul Heyman. Talks about how important Madison Square Garden was to Bruno. And about how much the fans loved this guy. You know, uh, big Italian population in New York, but not just that. Uh, Immigrants in general, people in general. He was uh, the common man, the people's champion. I mean, he, yeah, he was a big man, but he mentions, uh, you know, he didn't wear a robe to the ring, he didn't do anything exuberant, he just came to the ring. And uh, dominated and then left. Sort of like a really early version of Bill Goldberg, really, because Goldberg, I mean, he did have the big entrance later on with the cops and, uh, you know, all the, oh my God, who's next? But at first, Bill Goldberg would just come to the ring, no theme at all,
2: no music, wouldn't no, do an interview, no, no, didn't speak, nothing, just went in there. Kicked ass and left.
1: And it wasn't so much about his character, it was just, wow, this guy is so dominant or whatever. And I mean, Bill Goldberg doesn't look like the people. Like, I mean, Bruno doesn't look like a, nor- you know, he's a massive man himself, but he looks more like a common man than Bill Goldberg does. I mean, right. We go back to Hogan. I thought we were only going to get a clip from him, but no, we go back to Hogan. Man, he's been on every documentary lately. Hogan talks about how great Bruno was to watch. And then Bruno says he was very sure to maintain his public image when he was out. And I thought this was really cool. something that, I mean, wrestlers don't do anymore. I mean, how he always wanted to be in suits, and he didn't want to drink alcohol near the kids, and he wanted to be... He kept kayfabe. He did not break kayfabe when he was out and about. He was...
2: Yeah, no, it's it's completely dead, and, and it's sad, because that's how it should be brought back. It should be kept that way.
1: A little bit. I mean, I don't main. think totally, but they spend a bit here talking about his worldwide success, about the uh, all the press he got in other countries, and then really cool, three cool pictures: one with Frank Sinatra, and then one with the Pope. I don't know many other pro wrestlers that have gotten a visit from the Pope, so this was uh, pretty cool. Or that kicked it with Frank Sinatra. That is, uh, yeah, really awesome. Bruno was champion for eight years, and he was getting tired. He said, uh, hey, Vincent J., find someone else, please. I would like to have a few months off. So then we go back to 2013, and Ivan Koloff, who, yes, had also recently passed away, is now taking a picture with Bruno in 2013. Kayfabe is dead. They showed clips from the match. Which I would love to see the full-length match. That's one match I haven't seen. Where the streak ended. Where the long reign ended. Where Ivan slams Bruno down and delivers a top rope knee on to Bruno and his throat and his head area and pins him one, two, three, and the crowd goes silent. And Bruno retelling how he thought that he had actually injured one of his ears because he couldn't hear anything. Yeah. And uh, and Ivan chimes in, too, about how quiet it was. And they have audio from it, too. I think Bill Aptor provided the audio from it, and it's just like, it is. It's like really, really quiet for a 20,000-seat arenas. It's one of those, like, Undertaker-winning... Our Undertaker losing at
2: WrestleMania moments, like holy shit! You know, the living legend Bruno Sammartino, a man who has held this title longer than anyone, you know, just
1: got beat. Just got beat. And what sucks is if you weren't there, you know, that this was before cable, or you know, yeah, you couldn't just go get this on DVD. Oh, you know, yeah, no, that they, they just you missed it. You missed the boat. Like one of the guys they interviewed, I forget who was like. Yeah, my first time seeing Bruno wrestled it was when he lost. I mean, can you imagine like you've spent your you know whole life watching this guy from afar, you finally get a ticket to the show and then he loses. Or like an Undertaker fan, yeah, at WrestleMania 30, like had never seen the Undertaker wrestle and one, two, three, it's over. Yeah. There's just a there's a sick pleasure that brings me anyway. Uh, Ivan says people were crying <laughs> as he was leaving the ring. And then what I thought was funny is that Bruno was upset that he made people feel upset. Bruno felt sad that he made people feel sad that he lost his belt, even though he was about to go on vacation. And yeah. This guy was probably as happy as he would ever be coming up. Uh, but it, he sat in the locker room, he said, for an hour or two and was very upset that he made people feel upset. So that was well, kind he, of a... he s-
2: cared about his fans. He cared about what they thought about him and...
1: That they believed in this winner. They yeah. yeah. He was always there to stand up for them. Fight for what's right. Fight for your life. Like, you really thought of him as
2: family. Like, he's one of ours.
1: Well, they grew up with him, yeah. Yeah,
2: he's one of us. And he, you know, it's almost that Rocky mentality. Like, he's he's the real thing. He's, you know, and... And to have him lose right there in front of him to
1: a Russian, nonetheless, yeah, you know? yeah
2: exactly. It's just—it was
1: like a uh, Rocky Four. It was, yeah, Ivan Drago being yeah. Rocky.
2: It was, it was, it was unbelievably just shocking, very upsetting for fans.
1: Bruno says he was happy to go home though. He loved the time off. Uh, during this time, he got to uh, take his parents on vacations and send them back to Italy, to the the old country, and uh, so this was a nice, a great clips like home video clips of this time was and bruno like grilling out in the yard with the big sideburns this massive man is is just kicking it on vacation while bruno was away from the business pedro morales won the title from ivan and wasn't drawing very well so vincent J made the phone call and said uh bruno uh we need you back please uh can you come back please and so stan stasiak ended up beating pedro and then bruno beat stan and uh, told Vincent J. yeah, I'd just like to do this for like a year and then I'd like to go back uh, on vacation, please. To, I mean,
2: Stan the Man Stasiak just went in the legacy wing of the Hall of Fame. This...
1: Of course, you got a 10-second clip for that guy. Yeah. Who was, uh, yeah, just like you mentioned that, that Ivan's not in the Hall of Fame. He was at the Hall of Fame in 2013. Yeah. You have all these characters and like, yeah, just missed the boat. Well, I just feel like the
2: biggest one for me and and i guess it is kind of biased that i'm i did you know become friends with him was that was the biggest we talk about it here that was that was the biggest shock of the worldwide wrestling federation that was you know everybody is always going to remember wwe the biggest shock being undertaker losing at wrestlemania that was the worldwide wrestling federation was ivan koloff beat bruno San sammartino one two three and ended this unbelievable seven-year reign and so
1: and just get swept under the rug you know yeah i feel like right. i
2: feel like that moment alone solidifies him into being a hall of fame member and the fact that he's still not kind of is a crawl up my ass but
1: bruno says to vincent jay i just want a year and i only want to work the major shows so he got, he got the major shows deal, so no more working seven-day weeks. And then one year became two, two years became three, and then the fourth year. He broke his neck when Stan the Man and dropped him headfirst on a scoop slam, of all things. Uh, the match, though, was stopped due to a cut on Bruno's face, so no finish anyway. Bruno needed to go to a hospital. They wanted to send him to a hospital in New York, but he didn't want to freak out his parents, so this man who thinks he has a broken neck decides to fly to Pittsburgh. He... F- flies to Pittsburgh. The doctor is very pissed that he did this. We go back to 2013. They asked Bruno about the Hall of Fame induction and what his parents would think. And he starts to tear up a little bit and just said how proud they would be. Bruno's title run this time ends by Billy Graham as he came back just a few months after his broken neck. And Billy Graham, that dirty, dirty rotten cheater, used the ropes to uh, steal a win and steal the belt from Bruno San Martino. And then Bruno went into the commentary booth, a common uh, practice it seemed like for wrestlers at the time when they were they were done, they would go right to the booth and become a commentator and interviewer. But he still headlined Shea Stadium against Larry Zabisco and drew a massive crowd. I think changed Larry Zabisco's life forever because, I mean... Oh,
2: it was that rub that Larry needed to ask. The
1: living legend Monkier was basically right. coined from that, that feud. So after Shea Stadium... Vincent Kennedy McMahon takes over the company, and that's when we get the change to sports entertainment. Bruno does not like it, and so Bruno would stay with the company. His son, uh, David, was involved in a WrestleMania. Yeah, and uh, so Bruno, I'm sure that was part of the reason that he stuck around longer than I think he wanted to, uh, was for David's benefit. Uh, but left in nineteen eighty eight, his final match being a tag match with Hulk Hogan of all people. So there you go. Bruno walks away from the company in eighty eight, then we get into why he hated the company after that and They he, he they didn't
2: bring it up, but at that point in time he went on to WCW to do commentary for a few years.
1: Wow, just skimmed over that. Well they also skimmed over the fact that he hated the steroid scandal. I didn't want to bring that up. You know, we basically fast-forwarded that he didn't like the Attitude Era either, which a lot of old-school guys did, not Luthes in particular really didn't like that. Now the documentary talks about Triple H trying to get Bruno into the Hall of Fame. Bruno says uh, he was not interested, but then Triple H said, have you watched the product lately? And Bruno said, okay, I'll watch it. And we get a few highlight clips of uh, wrestlers wrestling and not doing crazy shit, which they still do a little bit. I mean, it's still sports entertainment, but uh, Bruno said, oh, well, the guys are moving around good. They're they're athletes now. Uh, You know, okay. He was open to the idea then. And then we cut to Bruno meeting Vince in his office for the day of the Hall of Fame and... Both of these men are in suits. Hunter, though, looks so stupid in this leather jacket. Can't, can't he dress up? He never knows when to dress up and when not to. So Hunter's just standing there in his biker gear, uh, just looking odd. And Bruno and Vince have the most awkward hug I think I've seen since Sean and Brett. You know, they just compliment each other. You look good for your age. Wow, well, you look good for your age, too, damn it. And just, uh, they have a hug. And then we smash cut to the Hall of Fame introduction. Arnold introduces him, and then we get just clips from Bruno's full speech, which, I mean, you can still go back and watch the whole thing on the network. Vincent Kennedy McMahon then is interviewed one more time and just talks about how proud his dad was of Bruno, which, again, goes along with we never get enough Vincent J. clips, so Vince Kennedy has to fill us in. And then we end with Paul Heyman saying Bruno was the greatest territorial champion ever, which I think Heyman has a solid point. It's a good argument. Uh, I would put him right up there with, you know, I said
2: it when we discussed it last week. The NWA had Ric Flair. Wide Wrestling Federation had Bruno Sammartino. I put them all, almost identical together.
1: The documentary ends with Bruno seeing his Hall of Fame statue, which was actually, I think a lot of times their Hall of Fame statues look pretty wonky, but his looks good. This is a good looking...
2: Yeah, I've stench. seen it in person, and it actually, up close, it does look very, very nice.
1: It it's was, pretty good. Yeah. And then it ends with the, of course, the Madison Square Garden tribute after Bruno had passed away. But uh, 45 minutes, it flies by, it's very good. Easy watch. Going- to have Bruno telling the story, for the most part, was a good idea. Centering it around the Hall of Fame is also good to tie it in. Bring it all together. They had to rush, I guess, to finish it and just slap that MSG thing on at the end. But that's fine. I would have liked to seen the the longer version that they were working on, and I hope that they maybe one day go back and complete that. Uh, but this is very very good. And I would
2: I would love to see the actual the the original plans for the DVD set with all the
1: old the matches the old stuff.
2: matches and stuff in it from start to finish. I'd love to to actually have access to that that kind of archives is something that for true wrestling traditionalists like myself, I would love to be able to, to see those matches from start to finish.
1: Premiere this the Raw after he passed away. I mean that's just crazy. Like I just this WWE production team is just phenomenal. Does great work every time they put these together. So yeah. uh big props to them. And uh, I thought it was really excellent. They skimmed over some stuff. Of course David isn't gonna be talking to the company. Uh, we skimmed over some of Bruno's grievances with the company and the steroid scandal and that sort of thing. You know, I mean, it is the company putting it together, so they're not going to highlight the negative. They're going to highlight the positive and kind of skim over things that are you know detrimental to their image or whatever. But overall, it's it's a it's a great watch. It's yeah, I would definitely recommend checking it out, and uh, I'm glad I did.
2: Any wrestling fan needs to see this. I, I put this up there. It's a must. There's there's no other way to put it. Um, it. It's a must watch. And for 45 minutes, there's not a wrestling fan out there that can't sit down and give it a try. And within two or three minutes, be engrossed into it already.
1: Pay homage to the man. So there you go. That is our Bruno review. And uh, I hope you enjoyed it. I hope I didn't get too clip heavy with my Ric Flair extra one that we did. I got complaints that I put too many clips in there. You know what?
2: Tough shit. I hope there's (laughs) lots of clips in it. I want it to look good. Well, no, I just, you know,
1: I don't want it to just be us droning on and on, you know. Me just recapping a thing doesn't, you know... Lots of clips. Let the man tell it himself, you know. Lots of clips. Yeah, lots of clips. Nothing but clips. In fact, I'm not even going to use any of our audio. I'm just going to play the documentary for 45 minutes. So there you go. That is Retro Wrestling Podcast Extra for... This week, thank you for joining us. I'm intern Alex.
2: I'm the one and only the greatest referee in professional wrestling history, Patrick Young.
1: Saying as always, we
2: love you, Bruno, and we will
1: always miss you. That's not what we say always. My closing line is a clothesline. Oh, that's it. Yeah, but the first thing was good to say too. So,
0: Bruno Martino was the greatest territorial champion and box office attraction in the history of sports entertainment. But for Bruno Sammartino, his legacy and impact went far beyond the ring. What I'm most proud of is what I've found out since I got out. Because every time I make an appearance, people tell me, you were a great role model. They say, I wanted to be just like you. I started training because of you. I named my kid after you. I've had so many people that named their son after me. It makes me feel really warm inside to know that you had a positive effect on a lot of people. He wants to be a role model for kids to say, listen, you can do this the right way, you can live life the right way, and succeed. I truly believe that that is the fiber of who he is. Thank you, Bruno! Thank you, Bruno! Let's see it. Let's see it. it. Bruno lived an extraordinary life, from war-torn Italy hiding from Nazis to making it to the U.S. to being the sickly kid who becomes this larger-than-life superhero to millions, and millions of people around the globe, one of the most famous people on the planet at the time. When you say the American dream, is there any bigger symbol of the American dream than Bruno San Martino? I don't think so. I'd like them to remember me as a guy who always went in the ring and gave it the best he possibly could for the fans. I hope that they look at me and say that he was a pretty decent human being. That's most important to me. If they thought that of me, I'd feel awfully proud.